Well, looking at the recent developments of the violence, of the looting, and of the failure of, of the state to be able to respond adequately to it, to the moment, to rise up to the moment, there are many that are now asking questions about whether this country is becoming a failed state. Is South Africa becoming a failed state? Of course, depending on who you speak to, there are others out there who say, yes, this country is a failed state. Um, and uh, I was saying earlier that before, when I heard a statement like that, I would certainly be quite dismissive of it. I'd think, well, of course, South Africa is not a failed state, you know, and you can think of multiple reasons why, at least in the strictest definition of what a failed state is, or of why I felt we didn't meet that criteria. After the, the last couple of weeks, I'm not so sure anymore. I think we, we might be heading in a different direction, but to come and share their insights and knowledge and analysis of the moment uh, in terms of where we are. We're joined by Professor Protus Madala, who is an independent political analyst. Professor Madala, good morning to you. Good morning, Kathy. On the line is also Claude Bissak, who is the CEO of risk consultancy firm Unomix. Good morning, Claude. Good morning, Kathy. And later on, we'll also be joined by Kolani Dube, who is a political analyst at the Shubera Institute for Research and Development. Claude, perhaps let me begin with you, because you as Unomix have been involved in, in doing work. Part of it is scenario forecasting. And 2030, as Unomix, you say South Africa runs the risk of being a failed state. Why? Well, let me just come back to um, the point you made, your sense that maybe South Africa, you know, is a failed state or, or becoming one, um, and the comments that it is a failed state. So let me be clear that from a, from a purely definitional standpoint, in terms of what the data tells us, South Africa is not a failed state yet, but it has increasing attributes of a failed state. And two facts stand out. Um, one is that um, the economy and, and the democratic governance uh, performance of South Africa still make it a fairly competitive and democratic country. But it is going in the wrong direction. We are seeing a progressive erosion of democracy, and we are seeing a significant erosion of the quality of governance particularly, as all South Africans know, at the local and provincial levels of government, where there you can speak of state failure. For a lot of communities out there, for a lot of regions out there, for a lot of municipalities, they are living in a failed state. But the country as a whole, not there yet. Where the country is now and has been exhibiting attributes of a failed state for a very long time, and that's the product of apartheid, is in the heightened level of insecurity and the tremendous amount of um, social distress, unemployment, poverty, inequality, and what you would call a, a crisis of, 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 of human capital. So South Africa has this kind of dichotomous, you know, almost schizophrenic identity. The problem is that the government of South Africa for the past 10, 12 years has failed to turn the economy around 
and have failed to improve the security of people and have failed to improve the livelihood of people. So in essence, if you want to simplify things, you could say that there are two countries and there have always been two countries in South Africa, a first world exclusive country and the vast majority of the country which is um, living in, in a third world. These things have not been reconciled by the successive governments. I think in fairness, Mandela and Mbeki did a great job getting us there. But with the Zuma presidency, um, there was a de definite turn, and the numbers show it very clearly. So the forecast, and I will, I'll end there, the forecast that the country will be a failed state by 2030 is based on very clear notions and, and, and movements that show that we're not making progress on the social welfare side, Security situation is getting worse. Criminality, <clears throat> the incompetence of the police force and, and, and the security cluster. Uh, but the economy is getting significantly worse very fast, and the quality of governance is collapsing. And so all of these things are converging in the wrong direction. So then, if there is no change now, and, and our forecast was pre-COVID, so things have gotten significantly worse since, and obviously the events of the past 10 days two weeks have also accelerated that. Mm -hmm. If there is not a change in direction now, a decisive, urgent, dramatic change, then we will continue to slide downward to, to state failure. Mm. There's so many things that, that you've said, Claude, and perhaps a good place to start would be, uh, and I'm just going to give you a moment to, to, to think about it so, so you can break it down for us. You have said that the first two presidents of this country had done a better job in terms of trying to work on the fundamental issues that the country is facing. And these stem really from uh, our economy, from the high inequality rates, the high poverty rates. Uh, I'm going to ask you to give me that data a lot more specifically and where you say the numbers show that there has been an erosion in the functioning and in the capabilities of, of the state. Uh, so while I give you a moment to, 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 to just think about that, uh, Professor Madala, let, let me give you a, a chance perhaps to also uh, weigh in South Africa, are we are on the road to becoming a failed state? Are we already there? Where do you stand? Well, as the, the, the colleague has outlined it, uh, Cathy, I think if the, the best way to look at it is South Africa and two countries in one. Mm. I think where I come from mainly is more on, on the second one, where I feel that the, the state has already failed its people. I'm talking about the majority uh, who, since 1994, have not really enjoyed in a way that they expected, the, the fruits of, of, of democracy. I think it's a mockery, democracy, that democracy actually does not deliver, as people thought that it was a, it was a magic wank, that it was going to bring equality between the different races. I mean, even the hardship we had last week, it had been felt differently from, from the have and the have-nots. So I think I've, coming from, a, from, I'm not ashamed, I'm coming African, I think the state has failed us a lot. I mean, let me give you an example. Um, the, the, I think the breakdown of, 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 of the criminal justice system. I mean, we, we heard that in Moy River last week on Thursday or Friday, 
26 tra- tra- trucks were torched or were burned down. And to date, no one is behind bars. And I think the same things are really collapsing in this country. We lack the, the crime intelligence. We even lack the business intelligence to, 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 to do, to do their, their own projection and to, do, to be proactive. I spoke to a few people where the looting started on that weekend of, this, of, of Friday and Saturday. I said, Have you, what are the police doing? They said to me, the police were here when we were looting. When at that time, they were still looting portal stores. And I was told that uh, the police were here, and they said, let's just carry on. They will come the following day just to, to take, some, take down some statements. And I said, is this perhaps a coup against the, the current president? Why are the police failing to do what is right? The public order policing unit, why are they not stepping in? And if they mind things like TXS or water cannons, to defuse the crowds. We saw all over the country people looting with impunity. So I think we have been failed. I mean, we can carry on and cite quite a number of examples, violence against women, violence against the weak. How long, I mean, we, had, we have a state capture in, of inquiry right now. How many names have come out and been mentioned of people who have looted this country and none of them is behind bars. So if from, from my point of view then, I, I think we have been failed, and I think we lack a very strong leadership in this country. Professor Madlala, is there a difference between, between being failed by our government versus us being a failed state? I think who runs the state organs is the government. It's not the people. Mm-hmm. Well, we voted them in, into power. Yes, you might say we are responsible as well indirectly. I think the government, the people entrusted with the authority to run the affairs of the land and then protect us, protect us, our family. I once went to a police station and where I was told there were only two police stations overnight. The rest were moonlight lightning, light, lighting. So... I said, my God, this community thinks that they've got uh, protection of the police, and yet there are no police. So I think the state has, the, the government perhaps has failed us. Oh. And we, as we've got very weak state organs mm. to protect its citizens. Okay. Uh, let me welcome to the conversation political analyst Kolani Dube, who is with the Shubera Institute for Research and Development. Uh, Kolani, good morning to you, and thanks for coming on earlier than, than I was anticipating. Uh, perhaps your own reflections on, on the question that, that I've put through to, to both our guests this morning. Look, I think there's kind of an illusion here mm. when you talk about uh, this false dichotomy of state, that there's a state for the other, and there's a state for the other as well, you know. There's only one state, and that state is an apartheid state. And we have not made a, a, even a single a move away from the apartheid state. And the 1994 early transition was just an illusion, you know. We still survive under the apartheid state, you know, and we know who is supposed to benefit under the apartheid state. And so let us not entertain something that is not there. You know, to go and vote doesn't mean that you can simply turn over and transform or do away with the with the systems and the structures of apartheid. We are still living under the apartheid state that serves the interest 
of the white people as well as of the business people. And so if we start to entertain that uh, there is a state that has failed, I, I think that is an illusion, you know, because we know it very well that even during apartheid, there was this kind of Hegelian relationship or Hegelian dialectics where the white people were supposed to be the master and the black people were supposed to be the slaves. And so there is nothing that has changed. And so there is only one state, and that state is the apartheid state. But we try to decorate it and say there is a, a state that is being governed by the ANC, of which is just an illusion. There is no such a thing. Mm. There is only one state, and that state is the apartheid state. So, Kolani, just to make sure that I'm hearing you clearly and also for the benefit of, of, of our listeners, when you say that we are still living in an apartheid state, I imagine that you're talking about the systems, the structures that have been inherited. Perhaps break it down for me uh, so that I'm able to grasp fully uh, the, the concept that, that, that you're putting forward. Okay, it's a very simple thing. Let's start from the economy. The economy, there is nothing that has changed. It's still owned by the white people. You go to the, what you call it, uh, the, the special development in our townships or in our country, you can see the estates and so forth is still segregated according to the apartheid philosophy, you know. And then when you, even our schools is still <laughs> entrenched into the apartheid uh, system, you know, and then even when you come to our interpersonal relations as South Africans, it's still entrenched in the apartheid system. We have not transformed or we have not managed to dismantle the systems and structures of the apartheid. And so that's why I'm saying, let us not have an illusion to think that once there was a single state that was saving all of us, but now that state is failing. No, it has never been a state that was serving the interest of all of us. Because when you look at kids in rural areas who die in pit toilets, and when you look at the issue of Marikana, at the Lafayette demand, and also at Colobet, it shows that even post-1994, the only responsibility of a black person in South Africa or of a native is to provide cheap labor, of which that we know it during colonialism, we know it during apartheid. And so there is no period, there is no epoch here in South Africa where a black person or a native was put on the same pedestal with the other race groups. Professor Magala, I know that you have to leave very, uh, very soon. So I'm going to give you an opportunity just to make contributions before I let you go and continue with the other guests that are on the line. Well, I respect uh, Mr. Tuve's uh, uh, view, but I think in a way to call it an apartheid state, I mean, some of us have lived under that. It was the most horrible situation. Um, and, and I respect his view. I think it's a bit of um, a misnomer to create up a state. I think where I would agree with him, I think under the black rule for 27 years, I think our leadership has failed to deliver uh, to its people, especially the most vulnerable. And I think instead of serving the most vulnerable, they have actually looked after themselves and their families and their bodies. It was a time... To, 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 as it were, to eat the politics of the stomach instead of the people. Uh, so I think 
That's where we went wrong. For the past 27 years, leaders, most of our leaders have actually looked after themselves and their families. Mm-hmm. And they, they've even joined what Colan is describing. They've even joined the white community and they've been excessively lived beyond even some of, some of average white people live, beyond their standards. Let me thank you so much for coming on to the show, Professor Magallan. We certainly wish you all of the best in terms of the circumstances that you're dealing with. Professor Protas Magallan, unfortunately, uh, he has to leave this conversation early. We'll continue with it after the latest news headlines. You're also more than welcome to participate. The number to use this morning, 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line, 0614-104-107. And on Twitter. It's at SFM Radio. The hashtag there, SFM Talking Point. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. We continue with our question this morning. Is South Africa heading towards becoming a failed state? We're in conversation with Claude Bissak. He's the CEO of risk consultancy firm Unomix and Golani Dube, who is a political analyst. We've had to say uh, goodbye to Professor Protas Magala, who, of course, was uh, also going to be part of this conversation for the hour, but he's just got uh, something he needs to attend to. So, uh, you know, Claude, let me come back to you. And, and earlier I had asked you about the specific indicators that speak to the ways in which um, there has been an erosion of governance that is eating away at us being able to manifest the full dividends of democracy to those who, you know, have had hope in the system that took the vote and were confident that it was indeed going to bring them a better life. Yes. So there are a number of of indicators and, and you know, documenting these things objectively, comparatively, is always very difficult mm-hmm. because concepts like democracy are very, very broad and very vague and, and full of nuances um, and, and very subjective, right? And, and the emotionality of, of talking about democracy when you are in it and you're seeing it eroding and as... As your guests have said, you know, a vast majority of the population only having exercised democracy in the most symbolic way through the vote. Um, so what we do at Unomics is that we, we only use comparative international data and we use established indicators and indices that we then format so we can combine them and give you things like fragility, state failure indicators. In terms of democracy, there are two um, indices that we use. Um, There is the um, democracy index from the Economist Intelligence Unit, which tracks democracy and breaks down democracy um, for the past 15, 20 years, country by country, ranks and scores. And then you have the World Bank governance indicators. The The World Bank governance indicators do not measure the type of regime, but the quality of governance. Both of these indicators demonstrate that South Africa has been losing track, if you want, uh, both in terms of absolute performance scoring Mm -hmm. and in terms of relative positioning to other countries over the past 10 years. And the peak of South Africa's performance, and I think this is very important repeating, the peak in South Africa's performance in most of those indicators, whether they are social, security, economic, political, was round around 2006, 2007, 2008. And that corresponds with the changeover from 
from the Mbeki kind of Rainbow Nation project to the Zuma Economic Nationalist project. And that's very clear. And you see it in, in GDP growth. You see it in GDP per capita. You see it in the rise in inequality. You see it in the collapse in investment. You see it in the increase in, in imports and the collapse of exports. And you see it in all the sectors of the economy being under stress. And you see it in the massive increase in, in, in unemployment. And this is where I take issue with some of what my colleagues said earlier. Um, you know, it's very dangerous to say that nothing has changed in the system because it completely invalidates the very concept of democracy. And it completely invalidates the transformations of the society and the economy that have been taking place since 1994. And it also kind of di diffuses and dilutes the fundamental differences in policies and performance and programs and type of leadership that we have had under, um, under democracy. It simply says that, mm. in essence, the ANC is an agent of apartheid. And I think that is simply wrong. It is a mischaracterization and a misnomer. What instead needs to be said is that there have been in the ANC continuous factional battles about political control and about the policy direction of the economy and the role of the private sector versus government and the best way to transform the economy structurally so that the majority of the people are vested in the economy rather than excluded from it. And, and I would like to say here that this is where we are, the grave failure of the ANC of the past 10, 12 years is the fact that it has failed to use the economy to transform society. You know, there's this dream that, you know, we can, we can magically transform the economy through, through the sheer willpower of the state. That is just not possible. And I note the very often contradiction between people who at once lament the poor state of the bureaucracy, the poor state of the infrastructure, the poor state of the civil service, the apparent carelessness and indifference and dysfunctionality and corruption are the same people who ask for the state to resolve everything, nationalize the economy, expropriate the land without compensation, you know, um, adopt a, an endogenous growth model. And the contradiction is, is palpable and completely inexplicable mm. uh, theoretically. So I think what we need to do is we need to, to think in, 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 in rather um, uh, subtle and data-centric um, views that are also based on what has worked elsewhere and, and what hasn't. I mean, we are surrounded by countries that adopted kind of economic nationalism, uh, endogenous growth um, um, uh, strategies, and have all failed. We know what works. We need to inspire ourselves from countries in East Asia and, uh, and elsewhere who have managed to utilize the market, to have managed to leverage their capitalist sectors to serve national development. Okay. And this is what has lacked in South Africa, is, is, is a coherent strategy that recognizes the fundamental limitations of the collective capacity and brings what's lacking to create accelerated growth which will bring up the levels. Now, I know people are going to say, well, this is a trickle-down economics. Not at all. Not at all. Trickle-down economics only work to some extent. Okay. What, you know? 
Sorry. So, sorry, Claude, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to uh, sure. pause you there because I also have quite a lot of callers that want to participate in this conversation. And, and Colin, I'm going to come back to you and give you a moment. I just want to go to some of our callers. Uh, Kathy, you're calling us from the Garden Route. Good morning. My name's Correct. <laughs> Correct. Mm. So, Kathy, I want to say to you, first of all, Kathy or Kathleen, means purity. So you and I should be able to have a purely honest conversation. Let's hope so. (laughs) Listen, I just want Mm. to say that all this talk about the apartheid government, I, who have been in favor of democracy, cannot understand the reason for the ANC taking the old National Party in with them mm-hmm. and then sitting on the radio and, and complaining about apartheid. I'm confused and I don't know if anybody else is. Okay. Kathy, thanks for that view. I'm sure our analysts will also have some reflections on it. Madoda in Kimberley, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Go for it. I'm fine. I just want to comment. I I like this topic. It's quite a very interesting topic, discussion on whether South Africa is a failed state or not. I think your professor, Madlala and Mr. Kolane, especially Mr. Kolane, are way off the the mark. Mm. Uh, We we can't over-dramatize this thing of a failed state. Perhaps they are discussing other things, the performance of the South African government. But let me just briefly say, a failed state, the basic characteristics of a failed state is that there should be no rule of law. We know the events of the past few weeks show us that in South Africa there is rule of law. Second, I will just mention three. Second, The state must be able to perform its functions, the services that it's elected to do. It must be able to do that. Last, I want to raise, where we are a little bit lacking, we need to move quicker on that. The state must exert its authority, its hegemony on society. That means the laws, the rules that the state makes, it must be able to enforce those rules and everybody must respect those rules. But obviously, the other one about uh, provision of services to the citizens, we are teetering to the brink there because of this high unemployment. Sooner or later, the state will not be able to collect enough taxes Mm. to be able to, to, to meet its own obligations. Yes, the state should be firm, the state currently is not doing well. We need to do well. One example of how states where uh, the rule of law applies and it's functioning well, I'll just use the, the, the United Kingdom. One minister in the United Kingdom uh, uh, um, uh, broke these COVID-19 regulations. How? By hugging one of the new employees in his department on Thursday. On Saturday, there was an uproar, and he resigned on Friday. On Saturday, there was a new permanent minister of health. So we need agility in the state as well. The hegemony of the president, the speaker, and the chief justice, we must see that. We must feel that.
Thanks, Kepi. Matota, thank you so much for those uh, reflections and, and for that input. Uh, in Soweto, Sheikhs, good morning. Hi, Kepi, how are you? I'm all right, how are you? <laughs> First time caller, I've always wanted to call you. But well, welcome to the time. show, Sheikhs, welcome to the show. So glad you finally decided to call in. Thank you very much. Listen, uh, I just wanted to, I was talking about this, especially on my social media thing, about the failed state. South Africa is going to fail state. It's great that you are uh, coming up with this topic today. Now, there are many characteristics that make South Africa a failed state. First of all, corruption. That's mm. the first one. South Africa must be one of the most corrupt countries in the world, if not the most. Endemic corruption. Only 27 municipalities got a clean audit. Right? Out of how many? How many municipalities are there? I think like 4,000 or something like that. 27. Now, what does that tell you? We are totally incompetent on the municipal level, right? Secondly, obviously politicians, they're all corrupt. There's a scandal after scandal every single day. Thirdly, rule of law. There is no rule of law. Even these COVID, uh, uh, what you call it, re- restrictions and regulations, etc. I live in Soweto. There's no COVID restrictions yet. We buy beers yet, but maybe they double the price, but then they're still available. You know? Uh, there's no mask wearing, there's no social distancing, people still have parties. Forget that. There's no rule of law in this country, okay? Another thing, everything, everything that is happening in this country, all of it points to a failed state, and there's nothing, there's nowhere where we're going unless we turn the tide around right now. If not, I mean, look at the looting that's happening. This looting is not the first time that it started. The shop right here in Zolawan has been looted two or three times, right? Mm. Before the main ones, like this huge uh, uprising altogether. This was the beginning. I saw this in the beginning, you know? So when this starts to happen, the government is losing a, uh, a confidence by the people, and the people are not going to take it. Then they're just going to revolt, and then we are in a failed state. Look at Zimbabwe. That's exactly where we're going. Okay. Thanks very much. Shakes, Shakes, thanks for calling in, airing his views there. And there are 278 municipalities, Shakes, uh, just for future reference. Mike in Middleburg, I'm going to wrap up this round of callers with you. Good morning. Morning, Katie and your guest. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, uh, Katie Norman, Utolan Dube, I think, is way offline, way, extremely way offline. It, it is actually an insult to those who paid the supreme price, you know, for our liberation to say we, we remain an apartheid state. I think he must withdraw that. He is confusing a failed state with evils, you know, and failures of capitalism. I think we need to locate this discussion within a correct context. But I, I think that's a topic for another day. We need to come back to it. We have enough ingredients, uh, Katie, to become a safe state, especially when you look at our toleration for corruption. I mean, there are institutions that we know, uh, they are still, you know, accommodating very corrupt people. They continue to call shots in those institutions. And the government has tolerated, you know, those individuals to continue to call shots in those institutions. And that is why, actually, in some instances, things are moving from bad to worse. So for us, actually, to liberate ourselves, you know, from being a failed state going forward, the government needs to act swiftly 
when cases of corruption have been identified and there is tangible evidence, they must act swiftly because once you tolerate it, then it, it, it builds up to become what we saw uh, in the past few weeks. And and to the to the extent, Mike, to the extent that we do have a significant portion of our population, if not the majority of people, which is black people, excluded from the economy, what role do you see that playing in contributing towards us being and becoming a failed state? Hence, Katie, uh, my reference actually to the evils of capitalism, the fundamental mistake I think we made was to expect capitalism to take us through transformation and overcome all the backlogs of apartheid, all the evils of apartheid. Mm. Uh, We pinned our hopes, you know, on capitalism. And capitalism has failed dismally. Katie, please, if you have time, just listen to the song Vampire by the late great Peter Tosh. Just make time and listen to that song and go through the lyrical content. And then you will know that... uh, not even a miracle, you know, can transform a apartheid economy into a democratic economy. Okay. All right. Mike Arton Middleburg, thanks Thank for those views. Uh, Kolani, let me come to you, perhaps give you an, an opportunity to, to respond also to what our listeners have been raising. Look, I, I get a sense of, of, of emotional, you know, when people feel betrayed, you know, I, I understand but some of us who have managed to to insulate uh, ourselves from being emotional, you know. Mike is talking about capitalism and its uh, evilness and saying that uh, apartheid, everyone knows that apartheid was, was, was the engine of capitalism based on class and race in our country. And the, when you look at now, you know, when you look at the people who were killed in Maritana, you know, it was an epitome of saying, you know, look, apartheid is still existing in this country because apartheid and capitalism are intertwined. And when you look at the issue of Kolobeni, why people were killed in Kolobeni, obviously the issue of 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 of, of money and, and and to strengthen the capitalism, the Australian company in cahoots with the South African uh, government, and also when you when we hear very well on the issue of life as it many, is about the issues of money. You know, when they were private sector and, and, and in partnership with our government, you see. And also, even during apartheid, you know, when you hear the issues of Sharpville and, and, and so forth, apartheid characteristics, as well, if I can venture into this phantom state that people are claiming that we are, we are having it, you know. There, there's no difference, you know. And to have Sir Ramaphosa as the president of the country, remember that we had Bantustan, you know, leaders, you know, who were the feeder to the system. And so ANC, we have to be quite honest, is still the feeder to the system, and that system is apartheid system that is based on capitalism. And on top of that, as we have seen during the Bantustan, the, the, the so-called the, the, the Bantustan, where they reserve, I mean, where they reserve uh, cheap, uh, what you call it, dormitories, for cheap labor in township today, nothing has changed. And also, when you talk about a failed state in a democratic uh, a country, look, our country today, number of people, statistics is out there, they can't afford the food basket. It's out there. Number of people in our country, when it comes to G-coefficient in terms of, of, of inequality, check. 
and check before apartheid. And when you look at the unemployment, we have about 12.3 million people who are unemployed. And look at the social grant, about uh, two-thirds of our population is surviving on, on social grant. Recently, we were left naked when it comes to the security. Mamunozwe is saying something, the president is saying something, Ayanda is saying something, Begikele is saying something. There is chaos in that state. I mean, those who are supposed to be the, 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 called the, guard of our, the guardians of our uh, state uh, institution, they don't know what is happening, even among themselves. Even the president of our country, he made it clear that people need to protect themselves. And so if a president of this country say people need to protect themselves, it shows that the state can protect its citizens. We've seen the guns. We've heard how many people have been killed in Phoenix, people claiming that they are protecting their property. And now the question is, if the government can't protect its citizens and citizens uh, are protecting themselves, what kind of a state are we, are, 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 are we having? That's why I'm saying we are still living in an apartheid uh, system. Remember during the, the 1980s, the black-on-black violence, the native-on-native native violence was exclusively in the space of the natives. Today, if you go to Sentin or to go to Waterfall in this expensive suburb, Waterkloof, there is no mayhem. There is tranquility. People are still going to Woolworths, having a good life. The same thing that was happening during apartheid. But when you go to township, that's where you find number of people who are insecure, number of people who are, in, who are uh, vulnerable, number of people who don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. And so that's why I'm saying for us to craft a better South Africa, we have to understand that South Africa is still existing in an apartheid state. Kolani, I just have one question for you that has come through on our WhatsApp line. Uh, it's a question from Anonymous. Hi, Kathy. Uh, the ghost Kolani is undermining programs like electrification of townships and rural areas, upgrading of human settlements in metros throughout the country, expansion of uh, service connections to include townships. And what does he make of that, including also uh, your social grants, assistance for the poor? South Africa ranked highest in redistributive uh, tax, taxation, etc. Look, that's the thing, you know. We think, we think that the, the freedom is about service delivery. The freedom is about the ownership of the natural resources, about the ownership of the land, you know. We don't want service delivery from the government. The land belongs to us all. We need to work on this land and everything that is here. We don't want to be sponsored by the government. That's where the problem is, where people say, here's the service delivered, have electricity. Today we talk about we're talking about people who say they don't have electricity, there is an equal connection of electricity. What are the causes of that? What are the causes of people to steal water? What are the causes of people to, 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 to invade Spaces that are not supposed to be invaded is the indication that the, even this service delivery is no longer capable to 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 how to, to be how can is no longer capable to arrest the the issues that are bubbling in our communities of which is we want to own the economy of this country. We don't want to be spoon-fed, to be spoon-fed by the government. Hence, I am saying, 
even during apartheid, there were townships that were created. There was electricity and so forth. This phantom state, if we talk about the state, the state needs to be owned by us. Okay. And so it's supposed to be a bottom-up approach rather than be a top-down approach. People in townships, today they are burning things because they can, there is this disconnection, you know, to say, we don't own these infrastructures, you know. How do you give South African a sense of ownership is to give them the right to govern their own country. All that right. is the most important thing. All right. Uh, sorry, we were quickly running out of time. I just looked up and I see that we've got two more minutes left. Uh, uh, Claude, that means that the next one minute and 30 seconds is is yours. And, and unfortunately, we haven't even gone to the part where, you know, what what is it going to take for us to, to, to change some of these worrying signals that we are seeing manifest themselves in, in our society and, and pave a way forward? Is, uh, you know, the nationalization, ownership, of the land, as Kolani is saying, is that part of the answer, Claude? Absolutely not. I mean, I, when I listen to him, I agree with a lot of his, his, his perspective on the fact that the people does not own the state and it's extremely dangerous. And we, and we see that violence, this kind of desperate violence that shows that large portions of the populations don't believe that they have a state in that state, a stake in that state. But we have to do two things. One is we have to separate the state from the government, okay? Because that's a very, very um, uh, unhelpful confusion. And I think a lot of your, uh, your, your callers understand that. The, the discourse that I hear about ownership of the economy through ownership of the land and all of that reminds me of the discourses of the 1960s and 70s in the DRC. And we know where that led. Reminds me of the 1980s, 1990s, 2000 discourse in, in, in Zimbabwe. And we know where that led. There is tremendous confusion here in the categories and in the causes. One can't say on the one hand, this is an apartheid state that is only there to instrumentalize the people to get the vote and then to do the apartheid's bidding, the capitalist project, and to equate capitalism and apartheid. If apartheid and capitalism were equated, then you wouldn't have countries like Sweden and Switzerland and France and Germany and Canada and Australia that are both relatively capitalist and that are both relatively democratic and advanced. The the post-apartheid project was in essence a social democratic project that required a compromise between the powers of the state the powers of the ruling party within a constitutional order and the powers of business. The paradox is that in the past 10, 12 years, we have had supposedly a nationalist government under Zuma, we had a pro-people government that invested tremendous amount of resources towards state investment and towards social investment. And it became a massive opportunity for self-enrichment and looting. How do we reconcile ourselves, an anti-capitalist with an anti-capitalist discourse that is also an anti-state discourse, but demand that the state be the one nationalizing and transferring, when all evidence points to the fact that the dysfunction of our government and the dysfunction of the relationship between government, markets, and citizens is, is, is undermines the very possibility of that government doing everything? It makes no sense. And so I think what we need to do is we need to go back to the social democratic foundations of the immediate post-apartheid state with all the compromises that were made 
But societies function on compromises. Societies function on the different vested interests coming together and finding a solution. And that means a government that regulates the economy with a, you know, with a, with a fist, stops monopolies, stop collusion, stop anti-competitive behavior, opens the economy for everybody. You know, I'm, I'm from Mauritius. One last word. You know, I'm from Mauritius. Today, 99% of the economy belongs to Mauritians of all races and colors because they used foreign domestic, uh, foreign investment. They used foreign markets to develop. They didn't nationalize it. And had they nationalized it, Mauritius would be a little Haiti today. That's the difference. To be able to make the difference between what we are emotionally wanting, our historical analysis, which may be real or wrong, the experience of other, of, of, of other countries, and what works. And we need leadership to get us to what works. And right now, this is a deficit. Leadership right. and accountability. Without accountability, there's no democracy. Without democracy, there's no well-being. We're going to have to leave it there for today. Let me thank all of my guests for coming on to the show. Certainly a conversation that I think we can continue to have. John, please, I'm sorry. Don't, please don't shout at me. Good afternoon, John.